Hi, it's David Wright, leading expert on family money cash flow solutions. And Carolyn Mose, leading spending planner and passionate advocate of all things spending planning. This is the bonus episode of a special podcast series that is focusing on how to take control of your day-to-day finances and succeed with your money using a unique and proven system. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to episode one, where we talked about why people lose control of their finances, or episode two, how people can take control of their finances, or episode three, how to stay in control of your finances and grow, we really encourage you to do that as there's a great information in all three of those episodes. In this special bonus episode, the topic is why budgeting sucks and spending planning is the only unique and proven solution to everyday money challenges. So let's dive in. Do you feel trapped? Are you sick of having your time dictated by everything that must get done? Never having time for yourself? Do you daydream about having more money, finally taking that much needed holiday, or just being able to go out with your partner a little bit more often? Seriously, it's not too much to ask, is it? There must be more to life than constantly struggling to earn enough money to pay the bills. David, your journey to creating the Spending Planners Institute started with your personal financial struggles way back in the early 1990s. And I thought today it'd be a great idea for you to share some of that journey and how others can actually benefit from what you discovered along the way. Yeah, let's do that. So in the late 80s and early 90s, we had the recession we had to have and interest rates went skyrocketing high and everybody was struggling. But you know, When you look at today and the struggles that people are having now, it's not because of interest rates. There are other factors, but I don't think it's that different. People are really doing it tough. And like you say, you know, surely it's not too much to expect to be able to just relax and have some fun now and then and not be stressed about money all the time. In fact, I think you and I, you know, we're probably about the same age. You came through that same period as I did, didn't you? Well, yeah, I did. And I remember, you know, back in the 1980s, we had 18.5% interest rate. We were raising three little kids. And I guess the difference back then was I chose to be a stay-at-home mum. So we chose chose to do it really tough. I had, you know, the thousand ways with mints. Um, (laughs) I I don't think I ever remember seeing a steak in our house way back then. But, you know, I think the difference today is that you've not only got the problems of, you know, living pay to pay and struggling to make ends meet, but we've now got two parents working. So you've got this stress of both parents being out at work all day, picking up the kids at the end of the day from childcare or school, and then doing the whole kid thing at the end of the day, which is really tough. And I, I said to someone the other day, you know, raising a family today, it's such a tough gig. It really is. Yeah. Well, I I remember thinking it was pretty tough myself, but You know, it's interesting what you say about how it takes two incomes now to do what used to take one. Because we both would have grown up in families where there was one income and probably a stay-at-home mum. But that model is definitely at the window for most people these days because, you know, well, when I was 15, my mum got a job and that was probably the early to mid-70s. And I think the thinking was, well, you know, if, if dad could bring in enough money to pay for the basics then if mum got a job and earned some extra money, that extra money was basically play money because it was surplus to what was needed. But that was the mid-70s. And if you think before that, the 1960s, 
we had the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and a lot of social change where women said, you know, we don't need to be chained to the sink and be the housewife. We can have a career. We can have a job. We can. And the thinking was obviously, you know, that extra income would be a great way to have holidays, a new car and extra stuff. But I don't know if you remember what happened in the 1970s with the price of things. But well, yeah, well, everything went up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Everything went up. And if you think about it, you know, when people have got more disposable income, what happens to prices? Yeah, well, they go up too, don't they? They do, yeah. So, so the 70s was really a time of inflation like never before. And I wonder, and I'm not an economist, so I'm really just wondering, I wonder if it was the fact that so many women thought, hey, this is a great idea. If I go to work and bring in some extra money, that we'll be able to go and take the kids on holidays, have a nicer house, we can, all these things. And it's almost like we got caught in a trap because now here we are, another generation down the track, and it's like you have to go to work mum and dad to do what dad or mum used to do on their own. And basically, now we've got this young generation of families, like you say, really doing it tough and looking for solutions because of that. Yeah, and that's exactly right. They are looking for solutions. And I just look at the fact that so many young couples at the moment are struggling financially. They're struggling to make ends meet. They're living pay to pay. And you know, David, at the beginning of every year, we're told you have to do a budget. And people go into the new year and think, this is the year where I'm going to get organized and I'm going to have a budget and I'm going to put everything in place and I'm going to do better this year than I did last year. And I, so what happened? why are you laughing at <laughs> Yeah, Because at the beginning of every year, all the money gurus, they're all on the radio, they're on the TV, they're everywhere. And they say, here are my top 10 tips for financial success in the next 12 months. And I'm just waiting for them to say, number one, do a budget. <laughs> And I'm laughing yeah. because you and I both did budgets and we both know budgets don't work. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I know. And, and David, you're absolutely right. Because I have probably used over the years since my very early days of being married, every budgeting tool known <laughs> to man. And yeah. I, I, I started, no, I'm serious. I started with the simple envelope system, you know, yeah, yeah. Pay, the pay would come in in this little orange envelope, which was cash and money would get allocated to different envelopes for different things during that next week. Yep. Yep. I used to go down to the bank with my cash out of my pay packet and put it into the car registration account, the electricity bill account, you know, pretty much the envelope system, but I, but I was just doing it at the bank. Well, yeah. And so, David, you know what? I always used to think it didn't matter what I did. I always seemed to be borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, borrowing from this envelope to that envelope, and yep. it didn't matter what I did or how hard I tried or how much money we earned. Yep, yep. It just, budgeting never seemed to work. Yep. And, you know, seriously, I've heard you say it before, and I totally agree with you, budgets suck. Budgets suck. <laughs> they do. Yep. But, you know... You were juggling money between your envelopes and I was juggling money between my bank accounts. So for people listening in thinking, okay, so what's the solution? If the envelope system isn't the solution, if budgeting sucks, and if you've tried every method under the sun, what hope is there for me? And I really want to say there is actually hope. 
Yeah, so this might seem totally opposite to what all the money gurus are saying. But when you stop and think about it, whenever the gurus say to do a budget, 99% of people will glaze <laughs> yeah, over. <so> glaze over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. So people know that budgets don't work, but nobody's been able to give them an alternative that does no. work up until now. And so what we're going to be talking about today is something new and fresh and powerful and proven by over 30,000 people around the world yep. who've taken control of their money mm. and let go of the stress that used to dominate their life and keep them awake at night. Yep. So I will say from this moment on, the word budgeting is banned. <laughs> budgeting so, is banned. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to show you a better way. Yeah. So, David, I know that you were a school teacher back in the 1990s when you discovered that budgets were a waste of time. And I want you to share today a little bit with our audience about that journey. Yeah. Okay. So probably at the same time, but just in different parts of the state, we were both going through the same exercise of what can I do? What can I try? What can I, you know, and envelopes doesn't work. Bank accounts doesn't work. I closed down all those bank accounts when the bank started <laughs> adding monthly fees and charges. It just started getting expensive to even have the accounts. But I guess what you're asking me is this. I can remember sitting up late at night, every night at the kitchen table, looking at my pile of bills and thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay this? And in those days, you know, I used to think if I could just get a pay rise, that would solve my problems. But I eventually worked out it, it didn't matter how many pay rises I got, it didn't solve the problem. <laughs> but, but, but I remember this one night sitting there thinking, look, I am so tired of this stress. This isn't what I signed up for. I thought that going off to uni and becoming a school teacher that I would have a reasonably stress-free financial life. And it wasn't where I was. And I basically went, I am going to find out, A, what the problem is, and B, how to solve the problem. Because if you don't know what a problem is, if you just know there is a problem, the very first thing you have to do is work out what the problem is because you can't solve a problem if you don't actually know what it is. And the thing is, you know, I just find that we all seem to know that there is a problem, but we're so busy in our life. And as I said, both parents working, coming home, they're tired. The kids yep. are wanting their attention. They've got to put dinner on the table. They've got to do the bedtime routine. They've got to finish the homework and all yep. that sort of stuff. And the stress yep. and anxiety in those families, they just don't have time to sit there and think about their money or think about, so, so what they need is a simple process. Yep. So what was your solution? Well, before I can answer that, you need to know the problem. And you've just basically outlined the problem. Everybody knows there's a problem, but they're so busy chasing their tail that they don't really get the time to sit down and work out what the problem really is. And that's why they can't solve it. And most people are just on that treadmill going harder and harder and faster and faster. And it's actually getting worse, not better. And so I basically said, stop. You know, I need to know the problem so I can find the solution. And I remember thinking, I just wish the world would stop for a couple of months and let me catch up. I always felt like I was playing catch up. And if I had just a couple of more paydays under my belt, well, then I'd be okay. But I was just always behind the eight ball. But the thing that frustrated me the most, I guess, was that, because this is long before internet and internet banking, long before phone banking, you know, we used to get a little envelope in the mail once a month with our bank statement that basically said, 
here's what happened in your account in the last month. And at the bottom, it would say closing balance. And I used to stare at that and just get so frustrated. And the reason was, and, and look, this may be backtracking a little bit because one of the things that I tried in an attempt to solve my money problem was I became this anal record keeper. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I, I wrote down in notebooks every cent that came in and every cent that went out and where it went. Because I felt like maybe if I documented everything, that would help me get on top of the problem. By the way, Carolyn, were you ever a record keeper? Well, yeah, I was. I've done that too. I used to sit down and every time we spent money, I would write it down in this little book. Yeah. And I'd then look back over the past fortnight and think, right, well, how can I do that differently next Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, well, we'll need to cut back here or cut back there or we need to do this or that or whatever. So, yeah, probably not as anal as you were, but, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I learned to use a computer. There was different software programs that I started to learn to use that were all about record keeping. And I could produce all these wonderful graphs and spreadsheets showing where the money went. But the bank statement came and I'd be thinking, but I've already written all this information down in my notebook or, you know, I've now got it stored in my computer. So here's the bank statement saying to me, here's what happened. And I already knew what happened. And I could see that this discipline that I was applying to my life to record stuff was just gobbling up lots of my time, but it wasn't giving me any solutions. And I eventually realized that what I was doing was kind of like driving down the highway and thinking that if I look in the rear vision mirror, I'll get to where I want to go, which is just stupid. <laughs> it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Because everybody realizes that if you're driving down the highway looking in the rear vision mirror, when you get to that first corner, you're stuffed, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of crash because you're looking backwards. Yeah. And so eventually I gave up on that. But that was where I recognized my problem because the bank statement came. It told me what I already knew because here was a history lesson that confirmed what I'd written down in my notebook. But at the bottom where it said closing balance, I would look at that number and I would just go, oh, that is so frustrating because it doesn't tell me what I want to know. Mm. And I guess that was where I identified the problem. I didn't really want to know how much was in my account. Well, I guess I did. But I really needed to know how much needed to be there. Because we just built this new house. Part of the reason why we were struggling was because interest rates were up at 18% or whatever they were. And I wanted to put some plants in the garden. I wanted to put some lawn down. I wanted to put in a driveway. I needed the lawnmower when I eventually got some lawn. You know, there were things, and it wasn't like I wanted to go out just frivolously spending money. There were things that we needed to do, and I just wanted to do them. And so I went and bought some turf and then couldn't pay my phone bill. And I'm thinking, oh, that was stupid. And I definitely was trying hard to get it right. But every pay would come along and I'd go, okay, maybe this pay we can buy some stones to put in a gravel driveway. I couldn't afford a cement one but maybe some stones would be okay. But then sometimes I'd go, oh, look, I don't think we should do this this fortnight because last fortnight I got paid and I bought that turf and then we couldn't pay the phone bill. And so I, I almost got to the point where I was too scared to do anything. 
Mm, yeah. And I was just going to say that, David, I think for so many people, you know, their pay comes in and they go, oh, wow, I'm rich. I've yeah. got a couple of thousand dollars in the bank and we can go out for dinner or we can have a coffee or, you know, oh, we've got that wedding to go to next week so we can go and buy some new clothes. And then they go and spend that money. And then the next week they get that electricity bill, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of $500, it might've been 800 or 900 mm -hmm. and they go, Oh, rats, we shouldn't have spent that money. <laughs> yep. So how do you know, David, how do you know when you can spend money? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that was what I realized the problem was. Because it's not like I wasn't trying really hard to get it right. I was trying extremely hard to get it right. Sitting up late at night, stressing over the bills. Like I was spending lots of time, lots of emotional energy but I wasn't actually focusing on the thing that I needed to focus on because I was looking backwards. I was putting all this time into record keeping and wondering where did the money go? And then when the money came in on payday, it was like, well, can I or can't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Will I or won't I? And, you know, it was like... Well, David, how much stress was that actually creating in your relationship? Well, you were saying before about the amount of pressure in young people's lives. And I nearly said... Yeah, the divorce rate, I think, has gone through the roof in the last 30 or 40 years because of money pressure. You know, it's not like people don't love each other. It's just that they're under so much pressure, you know, and they're thinking to themselves, this isn't what I signed up for. And then when they start fighting over money, it's, you know, like our saying goes, when mm. debt comes in the door, love goes out the window. Yeah. The stress builds up, they start fighting. And before you know it, love has gone out the window. And so it's just, yeah, it, it's just really cruel. Mm. And, and so I was so fortunate that I made the decision that I wanted to solve the problem. And I went looking and I thought, well, why is it that I keep having these accidents with money? You know, I can't pay my phone bill. And probably it wouldn't have even dawned on me that it was because three weeks ago I bought that turf or those stones or that garden shed or, or the plants that we put in the garden bed. Mm -hmm. I started to see that I was making decisions, but I didn't have all the information. And when the bank statement came at the end of the month and said, you know, here's what happened and here's where you are, I would look at it and I'd think, well, there's no point looking at what happened because I already recorded all of that. So I would look at the closing balance and it might say, you know, you've got $200. And, and you know, this was 30 years ago, $200 was a lot of money back then. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I'd be scratching my head thinking, well, can I afford to or can't I? And ultimately, I would go, yeah, I think it's okay. Let's go and do this thing, whatever it was. We'd go and buy. And then I'd find out later on that I'd stuffed up. And of course, you can't undo what you did. You, know, you, you can't take the plants out of the garden, put them back in the pots and take mm. them back to the nursery and say, oh, look, you know, can you give me my money back? <laughs> I can't mm. pay my electricity bill. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So I realized the problem was that we make decisions and we try hard, really hard to make good ones because no one stuffs up with their money on purpose. It happens. Well, I, I couldn't say accidentally, but it happens because we don't have the right information. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. Know? So, so my bank statement arrived every month and told me where I was. But what I couldn't see was where I needed to be. There was a number missing. And I realized that if I had that number for every day, it would stop me from having the money accidents I'd been having. 
and take away the cause of my money stress. Yeah, right. And so it's the missing number that's totally missing from a budget. Mm. And it's what makes a spending plan so unique and powerful. Hey, absolutely. This totally changed my life. In a short period of time, we were in control and money stress was gone. And you know what? With all this wonderful modern technology that we've got, where we can log into our internet banking and find it in seconds, what you and I used to wait a whole month to get access to, nothing has really changed. Without that missing number, we're still going to be guessing and hoping we guess right. So having the missing number is actually like attaching a crystal ball to your bank account. You know, you can see the future and you know instantly when you can do the things you want to do and when you might need to wait a while. So, you know, one of my clients put it really simply when she said, I had a great budget, but it always seemed to lack something that I couldn't put my finger on. When I was introduced to the spending plan, I realized what was missing. I now have a plan that clearly shows me the future and a GPS navigation system to get me there. Exactly. Where previously I'd been thinking, well, I've got some money. I want to do these things. Can I? Can't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Once I had the missing number, I never had those questions again. I would know with confidence when I could have the things I wanted. And that was exciting. Yeah, I bet. So, David, how do we find the missing number? Hang on a sec. Just before I go there, I also should add there were weeks where I didn't spend money and I regretted it later on because plants were on sale this week. And I was thinking, we're not going there because I stuffed up last time. I probably stuff up again. And then later on, I'd find out I could have bought them on special, but I didn't because I was scared that I was going to stuff up. So whether I did spend or didn't spend, I got it wrong both ways. And the solution happened by accident, but it really was because I was looking. What I realized was that you can't make these money decisions and just hope for the best because that's really just guessing. And guessing is not a good word to use when it comes to your financial future. No, it's absolutely not. (laughs) So, So I made a decision. There was just one big hairy monster expense. It was the mortgage payment. And I thought, What if I could just take control of that one thing? If I can control that, maybe I can control some others. Because we'd fixed our interest rate for three years, I knew what my payment was going to be every month. So it was predictable. And I began to see that there were lots of things in my life that were predictable, that I knew when they were going to happen. For example, my wife had a birthday on the same day every year. Christmas happened on the same day every year, you know, Mm -hmm. the kids' birthdays, the electricity, the telephone, all of those things were very predictable. Even though the amounts may vary a little bit, I knew when they were going to happen, how often they were going to happen. And I realized I could actually come up with a plan for the next year's cycle, starting from today and bringing me back to today next year, that would actually tell me what my bank balance needed to be in advance So I had the missing numbers that would allow the cyclical things to get paid on time. Wow, that must have been a real aha moment for you, David. Absolutely. I got very excited and I I (laughs) knew I'd made the breakthrough I was looking for. I I realised what I was missing was the number that said, this is where you should be right now to be on track to pay for the bills you know are going to happen. So once I created my spending plan, I could look at my bank statement and compare it with my spending plan and make money decisions with confidence. Nowadays, it's even easier. You just log into your banking and compare your bank balance with your spending plan target, 
and you know immediately where you're at. Yeah. So, so if I got ahead of those numbers, I knew that the money was surplus. Like if I had $30 surplus, I knew I could go to the nursery and buy $30 worth of plants or whatever it was that I wanted. And it totally transformed my life because the stress went away. Yeah. And David, the freedom in knowing that must have been just amazing. It was. And it wasn't like I had more income. I didn't. It was just that I had a plan for what I was earning that covered the things that I needed to pay for. You know, I knew I should be able to afford those extra things that I wanted to do around the yard. But now I had a plan that allowed me to afford them without the money stress that I previously had. I was actually starting to get them. Well, yeah. And you know, David, I had a client recently and one of the first things he said to me was, I earn 200000 a year, but we always seem to be behind the eight ball. Yep. I don't understand why we always seem to be struggling and constantly going into debt and late paying for our essential bills. Yep. You know, they never knew when they could spend money on the things that they wanted to do. And it was simply because they couldn't see the future and what was coming up. Well, we both know why. And it's just how having a plan for the things that you have to pay for that says, here's where you need to be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, can make all the difference. I know what my bank balance needs to be on any day in the next year and beyond. Yeah, and I know for me, there's freedom in being able to look at my spending plan and know when I can afford the next holiday. And my husband's always asking me, when's the next holiday? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or purchase a new fridge or a new car or whatever. You know, we mentioned before, all the money gurus say, do a budget. Everybody knows that a budget is limiting. It's restrictive. It takes away. Yes, and that's why we say budget budgets suck and spending <laughs> plans rule. Exactly. <laughs> Funny thing, when I first came up with this system, I used to call it simply budgets. But I realized that when I said budgets, people thought one thing, but I was actually saying another. And eventually I realized I had to stop talking about budgets so I could actually get people to understand this process. Every time I said the word budget, people would just, you know, just glaze over. Exactly. And that's why I never, ever use the word budget when I'm talking to people. When I say to my clients, we're going to put together a spending plan, we're actually putting together a plan to help them spend their money wisely. Yep. Okay. So, David, you had that aha moment and you created software. So, what happened back then? Well... I got so excited when I realized what a difference a spending plan made, you know, the stress just went away. We'd go shopping when it was okay to go shopping and we got more of what we wanted with less stress. And I just couldn't keep that to myself. So I started going into people's homes at night and showing them what I'd done for myself and asking them if they'd like me to do that for them as well. And, you know, I think over about three years, I probably went into something like 80 homes. And only two of the people that I sat down with and showed what I was doing weren't interested. Everybody else went, oh, wow, that looks amazing. Can you do that for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so for a period of about three years, I went into people's homes and just got busier and busier trying to save everybody from their money stress until I eventually worked out that that was just stupid. I needed to make it so they could do it for themselves. So I teamed up with a software programmer and we created the Simply Budget software. I ended up on national television and it just went crazy. People would send me emails and say, oh, wow, this changed my life. I, you know, I've probably got thousands of emails, testimonials from people, but I got really frustrated because there were people who would ring me up and say, 
I bought your software, but I can't understand how to use it. Or I didn't bother to use it. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I've got all these people who have changed their life, but I've also got all these people who haven't. And they should have. And so eventually I thought, you know, selling software is great. I've helped lots of people, but I need to do something different. You know, I've traveled the world. I've spoken on stage in America and England, New Zealand, all over Australia. But when I realized not everyone understood my software, I started running training workshops called Cashflow Clinics, where I would spend the day with people in a classroom teaching them how to use it. And do you know, do you know what, David? Just I'll interrupt right there. Yeah. Okay, because that is the exact defining moment in my life when you changed my life and changed my world. You came to one of my clinics. Yeah, I did. Um, My husband and I both came and him probably a little reluctantly, you know, (laughs) well, men don't often do the money thing well. And especially way back then, because this was going back to 2004, um, I'd always been in charge of the finances, you know, mainly, I guess, because he was busy working and I was the stay at home mum. So I paid all the bills and I looked after the money. So he wasn't really that interested and he didn't really want to admit that we might need help from anyone. So, you know, we went to the cash flow clinic and I remember at the end of that day, I looked at him and I said, that man has just given us the keys to the financial kingdom. (laughs) Well, because I know your story, and I'm pleased you shared that because at least it's not me telling people how good it is. Oh, look, David, it's amazing. I still look back. And as I said, that was the defining moment in our life. And it took us an awfully long time to get there. Yep. So I'm certainly aware that you were responsible for your entire street and probably your entire <laughs> suburb becoming customers of mine back then. Yeah. And you remember we had a meeting and you said to me, uh, and maybe I should let you tell me what you told me because I know you want to say it. <laughs> yeah, I do. David, you and I became really good friends back then. And I remember sitting across the table in that little coffee shop and I said to you, David, I've got a vision for you. I believe that one day you're going to call me and say, hey, Carolyn, I'm training up a group of people to do what I do, to go into people's homes and to teach them and train them and educate them in the software and how to look after their money. And, you know, I was already sitting with people and I was helping them and training them and showing them how to use it and walking that walk with them back then. When you rang me in 2015 and said, hey, Carolyn, guess what? I've just started the Spending Planners Institute. And that was probably the second most defining moment in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. I I got to the point where I realized I wanted to do something different. I'd seen the difference my system made in people's lives, but I realized that maybe the easiest way to describe it is like this. No one goes to the Olympic Games and comes home with a gold medal without a coach and a trainer and a whole team of people around them to help them do what they say they want to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And people managing their own money. Yeah. And we talked about the stress earlier about what it's like raising a young family. There's no time in the home to really sit down and, and you know, work out what's going wrong and sort it all out. And, and I realized from the phone calls I had from people that said, you know, I bought your software, but I never used it or I bought it and I couldn't understand it. They were the frustrating calls. I, I love the ones from the people that said I bought it and it was amazing. But, you know, I would spend an hour on the phone with someone who rang up and said, I got your software, but I can't make sense of it. And then eventually the penny would drop and they'd go, oh, you've turned budgeting upside down. And I'd go, yes. And I realized what was needed was 
someone to hold people's hand through the process of setting up the spending plan to answer their questions so they wouldn't have that frustration and be there when they had the plan to hold them accountable as much as they wanted to be held accountable and to help them make changes and get to the point where they realized, I know this now, I don't need someone holding my hand anymore. And I know that creating the Spending Planners Institute was the key to having people all around the country and eventually all around the world who were there to help people, to educate them, to coach them, to hold them accountable, you know, to, to be that helper while they get up and running. Yeah. And I know from my experience, I've now been doing spending planning since 2015. And I just get such joy in being able to sit with a family or sit with a young couple and see that stress disappear as we put a plan in place for their money. But you know, I've worked with clients who earn 200,000 a year and clients who earn 40,000 a year, and they still have the same struggles. It doesn't matter how much they earn, they're still struggling the same way. And you know, it's like you said before, when debt comes in the door, love just flies out the window. <laughs> yeah. uh, the number of times that I've seen relationships just improve almost overnight when we've put a plan in place is just awesome. Yep. When they know they've got a support person on their side, they've got someone who's willing to be there to answer their questions, to, to just be that support as they learn the software and they learn the whole system of having a plan for their money and working toward their future. You know, I just get so excited. Yep. And look, seriously, you know how passionate I am about my clients, David. I, I do, <laughs> which is why we do this podcast together because, look, it's a thing that goosebumps are made of. Anybody yeah. listening in, if you ever thought, I want to find something else to do because I don't like my job that much, you should consider becoming a spending planner because it's the best feeling. You know, it's the goosebumps mm. you get when you change somebody's life. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned it can change people's lives almost overnight. I had a financial planner from Melbourne rang me up and he said, I've got a, got a client for you. So I contacted this couple and had a call with the husband and the wife. And she said to me on the first call, I haven't slept through one night in two years because of money stress. And I don't know if you can help us. And you know, one week later, they'd gone through the steps to set up their spending plan. And she said to me, you're never going to believe this. Last night, I slept through for the first time in over two years because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and everything's going to be okay. My stress is gone. And, and you know, that was a goosebump moment for me. Yep. I just love it. Yeah, and that's right. And I know the overarching purpose behind the whole Spending Planners Institute is simply to help people remove their money stress and achieve financial freedom. And when I help people put together their spending plans, I know that I'm actually doing that. And also, just so our listeners know, I've got clients in several states of Australia, so it doesn't even matter where my people live. This system can actually work for anyone. You know, really, I've been driven for the last 25 years purely by one thing, and that was the excitement that I felt when I changed my little family's life And then the excitement I felt ever since then from seeing other families change because they found they didn't need to go through all that money stress either and that they could have more than what they were currently getting with less stress. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be my life's mission until the day I die because it's just such a good thing to do. And one thing that I think is really important for people listening in is to realize that they're not the problem. It's not their fault. They were never taught what we've just been talking about at school. 
No, and it's definitely not their fault. You know, it's not because they're crazy or stupid or anything like that. It's simply because they're doing what you were doing back then. And what you were doing was guessing and hoping that you were getting it right. And yeah, and, and I had believed because I had no other thing to believe in that you just had to try to be good with money and hope that you would get it right. But I eventually found out that it was nothing to do with guessing or hoping. It was about looking into the future and planning for all of the things that you have to do and when they fall due and coming up with a plan that actually says, here's where I need to be. Yeah, so a spending plan gives people that missing number, whereas a budget is just a budget and it doesn't give you that forward thinking. And there's such freedom in that, hey. Yeah, absolutely. So David, people listening in today, um, if they're interested in knowing more or they want to get a handle on how to manage their day-to-day -day money, what do they need to do next? So what's the next step? Okay. So look, it, it's really easy. What I believe they should be doing is going to findaspendingplanner.com, findaspendingplanner.com. There they'll find all of the spending planners around the country, pick someone to call and have a chat. It's no obligation. It's non-judgmental. Just pick a spending planner and have a chat. Find out what they can do for you. Um, you know, I've yet to find anyone who a spending plan hasn't changed their life. And I've yet to find somebody who didn't have the aha moment when they went, oh my goodness, there's light at the end of the tunnel for me. My stress is just melting away. So, yeah. Awesome. So that brings us to the end of this special podcast series. And hopefully through this series, we've provided you with some value and have inspired you to implement the things that we've mentioned. To access more of our podcasts where we talk about all things money, you can go to spendingplannersinstitute.com forward slash podcast. See you soon. Bye for now.